Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. It is my absolute pleasure to be bringing you the conversation with Gabs and James who wrote The Book of Rest. It's the second time I'm having a conversation with them because the person speaking, i.e. me, accidentally lost the file when I spoke to him back in December. So here we are again and this is a successful upload which is fantastic news um if you are new here welcome thank you very much for listening in i talk about books and i get authors on and interesting people to chat about books as well just to make your life a little bit better or easier or whatever you get from it before we get into it i just talk about the sponsors of the podcast the people that make my creativity possible and that is better help better help provide an online therapy service which is great because therapy is great and they provide that to millions of people around the world. Hundreds of a need to read listeners have been using them and I've been getting brilliant feedback since October when I joined forces with them. If you are one of those people that is umming and ahhing and on the fence about therapy, chatting to someone, going through your life objectively with an outsider can be really, really helpful and I'm sure everyone understands the power of talking. Sometimes talking to your friends doesn't quite cut it and they've frankly just got not very good advice therapists will ask you questions get to the bottom of how you're feeling and generally just improve your life if that is something you're considering go to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read the link will be in the description you get 10% off your first month of online therapy and from there the ball is rolling life will get easier and better again you know where to go but let's get in to the episode and i'm going to pass over now to gabs james and weirdly myself what i shall do gabs and james is ask you to introduce yourselves if that's okay sure yeah go do you want to go first no oh okay <laughs> no i'm not all right so my name's James Reeves. I am a bloke that lives <laughs> in uh, a little sleepy village near Oxford. And I'm very interested in the convergence of rest, psychology and meditation and where they kind of meet, how we meet ourselves on a personal level and then how we, we might say, kind of get beyond ourselves into something a bit deeper and more expansive. And that's really the essence of the book of rest and the work that we do at restful being i am gabs brown also known as gabrielle brown um i also live in a sleepy (laughs) (laughs) sleepy sorry james i should say it's more serious that's all right no Uh, i too am interested in um well, actually less the psychology and the practicalities of meditation, but more the, the experience of what it reveals to us in our everyday lives. And um, primarily my interest is in language and writing and talking about the experience of being and how, um, how language and talking about it and certainly writing and reading about it can take us into that experience and and confirm our experience and reveal that experience so i'm much more interested in the if if we put it like james is the teacher and then i guess i am the writer 
and I'm also a yoga teacher I should make that clear and have an interest in, in yoga and all things eastern philosophy too that probably yeah. sums it up well enough I think so about the same as the first time we did it yeah <laughs> so we're still the same pieces <laughs> yeah um it's, it's it's great to have you both back on and obviously i i know the answers to the most of the questions that we're going through today but i've i've made sure that i've planned absolutely nothing so that we can just start afresh and then see where the interests go um i'd i'd like very much to sort of understand how as westerners living in a sleepy village in oxford you have such a sort of inclination towards like for you gabs you just said about like eastern philosophy yeah. and and for you james i know that you've spent some time over there as well um from when, mm. when we last spoke but how is it you both sort of reach that point has it always been in your lives or it just came to you at some point uh shall i start mm-hmm. i'll go first this time um my mom was always interested in yoga and um, we had loads of books about yoga and also Zen and Buddhism in our house when we were growing up. My dad's a psychotherapist. Uh, so I've always had that around me. It's not something I had to go out and discover. It's not something I took particularly seriously or was that interested in until I was a bit older uh I always had a vague interest in yoga because of my mum but I always really struggled with the physical aspect of it because I was really not very physical as a child really inflexible Mm. really struggled if ever I tried to do any of the physical aspects of yoga I struggled with it and so I just kind of parked it as not being for me Mm. but then when I went to university I had a really tough time I got really depressed and I felt completely disconnected from the world and it was through reading various books about eastern philosophy that I actually completely pulled myself out of that darkness and it was a really dark place I completely pulled myself out by myself by reading and that and then from then on the the interest and the practice and I, then I did get into the physical aspects of yoga slowly but surely and then the more meditative aspects of yoga as well um but yeah that's that's my story in a nutshell I like your story and, <laughs> and it reminds me of something just to piggyback on something that you said about your dad being a, a psychotherapist um what I love about Gab's dad more uh, he kind of threw it all away in his 50s is that right um, 60s 60s and move more towards so, counseling and more towards a kind of human approach from a kind of analytical therapy point of view and, and it's this lovely actual reflection on a lived experience of trying to fix people against mm. what it was to kind of recognize that really what we're doing in many ways as human beings is just learning about ourselves and and coming into a kind of relationship with who we are rather than trying to kind of you know mold ourselves into something completely different and I really love that in in your dad I think it's yeah a, I a think sweet change yeah he's quite playful my dad yes yeah anyway um <laughs> let's talk about yeah, my dad yeah, so, yeah let's, <laughs> talk about, let's talk about your dad bring him in let's bring psychoanalyze in. your dad <laughs> 
So um, for me, I a similar story to Gab's. My parents were very spiritually curious. My dad was into the teachings of Madame Blatsky and the Theosophy Society, which was an India-based sort of like convergence of Western and Eastern. And out of that, uh, the teacher Krishnamurti, he really liked. There were all sorts of kind of poems and books lying around. I think at the age of eight, I picked up Khalil Gibran's The Prophet and loved it in a sort of, you know, made me cry, heartfelt way. So I've always been curious. And then in my 20s, I followed very much a sort of classic chase the money kind of Western model. I was a, a, an account manager for a big software company and got disenchanted and long story short, disappeared off to Asia to go and do that very cliched thing of, you know, get some marine pants. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, Thai fisherman pants, <laughs> chopped all my hair off. Two weeks later, went, what have I done? I've thrown my life away. This is a disaster. <laughs> But uh, when you tried selling those fisherman pants to everyone back when you got back, I did. Was, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The <laughs> salesman's never died, really, to be honest with you, just re- reborn into something else. Um, and I was dragged kicking and screaming to a yoga ashram in India with the partner that I was traveling with at the time and didn't really vibe with it very much like Gab's. I discovered very quickly that I wasn't very good at the, you know, at the, physical aspects of a yoga class but at the end of the first one we did this thing called yoga nidra where we led down and we did nothing um, other than we're sort of guided into the experience of feeling body sensations and breath and I had this amazing moment where I lost myself for a, for a period of time longer than the practice itself felt like I was kind of dissolving into the environment and it, it kind of echoed on in me for a while and I was I was in I had the experience that I'd been intrigued by all my life and then I've spent the last two decades trying to work out what happened and get back there <laughs> <laughs> yeah is it is it being quite a difficult journey like have you ever reached that point of dissolving into your environment since yeah regularly actually um and found the kind of simplicity within that and it's the heart of the the um story of the book of rest really that we don't it's an interesting thing we don't necessarily have to strive towards that if we can go the other way you know i mentioned that reflection on gab's dad if we can get into more of a kind of welcoming of our experience uh, which is a hard mindset for us Westerners, I think, to sort of flip it from I'm trying to get to enlightenment, awakening, absorption, whatever you want to call it, and the recognition that it's more of a process of sort of surrendering into something or giving up or um, recognising that teachings can take you so far and then there's a point where we just stop. And through the mm. stopping, actually, something amazing and powerful happens. And also that yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be a great big long process. I love the feeling or the recognition that we can have a hundred mini enlightenments in a day, just mm. those little snatches or those little moments where suddenly our mind is quiet and we just for no particular reason, we just suddenly feel okay. And that's that word doesn't quite work, but it's something like, 
you just feel completely connected and settled and still and yeah and that can happen throughout your day whatever you're doing you can be walking along and have those little episodes and so I think that's one of the things that I'm perhaps more interested in is less of the the process of sitting and then reaching a point where you have perhaps an extended period of feeling interconnected but more about seeing that that it's always there and whether you're um doing the washing up or just waiting for something or whatever that that that's there and it can be fallen into it's such a, an exciting prospect really just to know that that that's always there and that you don't have to be dressed in orange robes <laughs> and <laughs> in the east you know you can be standing outside outside Poundland and mm. and have a <laughs> have a moment of interconnectedness uh, that's it's it's something that we distract ourselves away from frequently in our lives which is really a real well it's a real problem I think yes in current society and it's heartening also to see how the um what we could loosely call the kind of guru culture which has fueled a lot of yoga in the west and the idea yeah. then yeah. that this is available to the special few mm. and it's something that's not available to the ordinary person unless you were to sit in the presence of a great master or if he mm -hmm. were to touch your forehead and I'm I'm not dismissing the possibility of that stuff I think there is magic and wonder and mm. there is something about being in the presence of someone who's deeply connected into that um, beingness that is like a sort of you know like sitting close to the fire mm. but um this stuff isn't as mysterious as we make it and it isn't as elusive as sometimes the sort of propositions uh, suppose it to be and i think you know you asked that question have you touched into that that being experience yeah for sure and i think anybody can if you're listening to this and you think oh well that's nice but that's not me but it is you because if you're awake and you're sentient that sentience if you explore it is interconnected to everything and I really like that that turning around of a belief that we may have in us that I'll never get there or this isn't available to me in this lifetime. Yeah. And as you said, the I'll never get there, I instantly thought of Borat. You know, he's like, you'll never get this, you'll never get this. <laughs> and that is probably how people do look at the whole sort of like sense of being. It's like people are like, I could, I actually can't get out of there and they feel they have to break free of this cage to go out there and, and get yeah. on, on no. the Borat theme. But you've got maybe maybe if the recording of this one falls apart, Ed, maybe we could both wear mankinis for the next one. <laughs> yes. Really, I'm definitely going to be purposely deleting this video. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. Um, there's a wonderful part in your book and I remember it and this is it. I, I very rarely remember like specific quotes from book, but it's like, if, if only you stop looking, you'll see that there's something fundamentally right with you. And I absolutely love that. And I think there's obviously I've read the book now, maybe four, three, four months ago. And I try like James, you said it when, when we first spoke about how you just, you, you like the concept of doing nothing and that it can be a productive nothingness. And I do really try and incorporate that. And I, especially when I feel like a sense of overwhelm or a yeah. sense of, I've just been working too hard, which isn't that often. I just need uh, <laughs> just a moment. And it's not that I sit down to meditate, um, obviously, yeah. which is sort of 
explored in the book that it, it's not a, a meditation it's it's a sense of you just sit there mm-hmm. and just wait for stuff to come up and when it comes up you let it be yeah and you do get that feeling of which i would say is probably one of the, one of the most underrated feelings of just okayness because you you said it earlier gabs like okay mm-hmm. is maybe not the best word for like a yeah. mini enlightenment but I, I really do think it is because yeah when you're actually okay it's great yeah yeah how how have you sort of i know we've spoken about this before but this is a question i didn't ask when it comes to goals and and having that sense of okayness you are both quite spiritual where do you fall with like opinions in terms of like manifesting and stuff like that? <laughs> I get really cross. I can let your frustrations fuel you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no, it's really, <laughs> I get really uh, angry when I read books about the law of attraction, especially. Um, just oh, I accidentally bought a book literally a couple of weeks ago. I just bought it based on the title. I'm not going to say what it is, um, but it looked like uh, a, a book about business. Um, I thought the general vibe was going to be just like a simple way, like mm. bringing a new simplicity to business, which I'm obviously very much interested in. Um, but it turned out it was literally just, you know, focus on young girls and your dreams and your thoughts will become things and blah, 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 blah. And uh, it may well be true that if you focus on what you want and you get into the right frequency and vibration that you will manifest that, that giant house that you've, but it's, what the hell is the point of that? It's like, well, what? Yeah. Is it, is it why, the face of satisfied desire? Why, like, mm. like having your shopping list of things that you, you think will bring you happiness. It's crazy. It's, well, it's no, it's not crazy, but it's like, you're missing the point, the point, you know, the, the, the well, life's in the surprises, isn't it? And the, the things falling apart and then revealing the gold and, uh, and you may well manifest this, thing that you think you want and then what happens it's not gonna it's not gonna necessarily make you happy it'll yeah. just be like an interesting experiment yeah. and then also you know it, it's bloody hard I think that's it isn't it it's like some people will find it really hard to throw away that feeling of there being obstacles in the way to their way to what they want in order to allow in what they do want but for a lot of people it's so hard and, and I just think it's a really dodgy um minds not mindset dodgy teaching because i think it's mm. extremely complicated and that it doesn't really address the kind of the the inevitable disappointment that you get with all forms of consumerism and acquisition um yeah so. mm. yeah i mean there's there's so much to say about this topic <laughs> but if we reference it back to the book <laughs> I'm just trying to be kind and, and not sort of throw the whole thing under the bus because <laughs> there could be some, you know, there, there could be something that's helpful within it. But um, when you reflect on that experience of okayness that you were talking about, which we could kind of 
describe as equanimity, you know, being even about stuff, not being mm. lost in sourness about life or, you know, or into some kind of law of attraction, like everything's perfect and I can manifest my dreams. But when you're in that okayness and you're prepared to stay with it and explore it, you realize that there is a perfection to being. And I don't mean that as in you become perfect, but I mean that there's a fullness, that there's nothing lacking actually when you stop striving and you're prepared to stop. And, and it's paradoxical, the thing that you've been looking for that you thought would complete you uh, kind of dissolves into, wow, there's a completeness here already. And then through that recognition, you start to see the magic in life. You know, you, you sit and wonder at your children playing in the garden and you find, you know, beauty in the mundane and, you know, there's lots of things that, that the, you know, classical spiritual texts talk about comes to you from that willingness to, to actually do the opposite of the law of attraction and give up mm. striving and trying to get to something. Um, so I think that's probably the heart of, in some ways, of what we have to say, um, along with the, the recognition that the law of attraction is is very good at selling books about the law of attraction. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't mean. I, it's there's also an immense playfulness to it, and I think mm. you know there is such fun to be had in life through chasing the things that are fun and the things that appeal to you and seeking them out and bringing them into your life and and playing with them and but I think there is uh you know we also have to recognize that as much as we can attract the things that we want into our lives and seek them out and try and plan to bring them into our lives we are also going to have suffering and bad things are going to happen and things that we don't want are going to come into our life as well and I think that's an added problem with the law of attraction is that, that it will place that on on your shoulders and say that you yeah. have you have been at the kind of frequency that has brought this illness yeah. you into manifested you. yourself a brain yeah. tumor by accident um, yes exactly. read you know, the wrong book i mean what well, yeah you read <laughs> what, what an awful what an awful teaching that is because mm. we're all at the at the mercy of happenings and this concept that we can control all of it is a very yes it does, dangerous. does rather suppose that we're you know more in control i don't think any of us can say how much we can or can't control in this life but we can all recognize that there are certainly things that we're out of control and uh, of and and if we were to you know this is an interesting experiment if you're listening you want to try this at home draw two circles and write inside one of them all of the things you can control and then in the other one all of the things you can't control and i'll give you a clear you'll need to make one of the circles a lot bigger than the other one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so this idea that we can just bring it all in you know is yeah maybe a little sticky yeah. Go ahead. perfect <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you got that answer now for you two who are so obviously aware of that and Gabs you were buying a business book in in pursuit of something and, and we definitely spoke about this last time how do you balance that out because obviously you want to make money you want to create a life for your children you want a nice yoga studio in the garden like you've got yeah. like how how do you balance out the wanting of stuff that will 
in I use the law of attraction. Really <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You've got many boards, so many no, vision and boards. I have an amethyst up my ass every morning. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad it's not just me. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do you balance that? And and I think the word balance is is the truth yeah. of it. Like I for me regularly in my life right now, you know, so over the, the year of, of COVID, you know, it really it's been big. There's been a lot of things that happen. I've, you know, lost the lost a parent amidst it. And there's Sorry been some that. really big things. And so it's a dance, isn't it, between recognizing it's good to give some time in your day to having some space and some rest and some stillness. But you know, don't go and get lost in that and spend, you know, try it. Try doing a day of doing nothing. And you'll find very quickly <laughs> that you're off into some kind of activity. So there is a balance between the two for sure. And then, you know, how do we go about manifesting in our lives and bringing stuff about that we're always creating, we're always doing, we're always on in that show. I don't think that, that there's a, you know, that there's a problem with any of that stuff. It's just that the balance has sort of swung too far towards the direction of, I've got to be this person. I need to be that. There's a sort of inherent narcissism in our um, culture at the moment. That's all about improving the self and becoming your best self. And, you know, there's value in that and that's never going to stop. But I think if we can infuse that with some of this ancient tradition about being, then we can kind of get a balance back in our lives. So, you know, we're not proposing in the book to just, you know, check out of your life and do nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more just a, a recognition that if you can do that, you get, I think you get clearer about what's important and what you really mm -hmm. do want. Yeah, and you can, you, I think if you take that time to be and to, to connect with your the you know, deepest essence of who you are and you find a clarity your own clarity and your own definition of what success and a good life means for you because in our waking lives we are being coerced constantly uh, into various directions and various definitions of success and it's really rest yoga all these practices help you to take a step back from those and be vigilant against those messages. And some of them will resonate with you and some of them won't. And it's really a matter of, yeah, take it, being able to take that step back and connect with who you are and what's important to you and, and know what you enjoy. And if you can find a way to create a life where you're doing what you enjoy, then that's, that might be your success. It might not be the biggest money earner but that's that might be your definition of success you might it's it's just a matter of of stepping back isn't it and mm. and but also having but obviously the wonderful thing as well with rest is that then you're you're energized and you are better able to engage in the things that interest and excite you and might bring abundance and wealth whatever that is for you into yeah. your life and, and you feel engaged and motivated um yeah and i think giving some space for things like tiredness confusion um uncertainty misdirection all of that stuff which we could be so easily brush under the carpet 
when we're willing to, for example, listen to the simple message of tiredness and take a break, you know, I've really trained myself over the years to kind of go, well, I'm tired. So I'm just going to lie down on the floor for 10 minutes. And it comes with a whole load of social stigma to it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, quick, like funny story. I, I've been working for the morning, don't, you know, emails and that sort of busy work that isn't so good for my brain. <laughs> they came to about midday and I realized that I wanted to stop. And rather than looking for wild camping gear on Amazon or one of the many other sort of things that I can Doesn't do as a, as a so-say break. I do do a lot of that. I decided <laughs> to lay down on the floor and do nothing. So I'm lying here in the studio on a yoga mat and then Gabs came out and I heard the back door open <laughs> and I jumped up like a naughty little boy <laughs> and suddenly kind of know. sat back at my desk. Even though our entire livelihood I know. is around the message yeah, yeah. of rest. Yeah, James and we've written this book. have to conceal yeah, yeah, it from yeah. me. <laughs> But here's the thing, that was very much a kind of knee-jerk reaction. And I think we all, if we're honest about it, we all have to recognize that never at school did any teacher come to you and say, oh, well done for staring out of the window. Um, congratulations on not handing in your homework. Well, do, do you know what I mean? Like we're so based on success and achievement and striving and doing and, and being better that no one's ever given you full permission to stop. Yet when we do, you know, for example, that little micro break that I took would probably meant that I was actually much more efficient through the afternoon or maybe had a better insight or, or a more healthy response to a particular situation. I could have saved myself two hours by taking 10 minutes, you know, mm. but it's not, it's not socially acceptable and it's not the norm. So we have to give ourselves permission, which is a bit of what the book's about as well. Although yeah. it is becoming increased, you know, I've certainly seen in the last year corporations talking far more about the importance of breaks and rest. And I think the working from home culture that we're obviously shifting into is, is reframing how, you know, whereas before you'd, you were judged on being in at nine and leaving at six or staying late. Now I think it's become more about what it is that you're contributing rather than how hard you appear to be working yes and 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 there's a whole load of research actually in fact what i've just asked a specialist in research to put some stuff together for us that will you know integrate into website and some ideas that we have in terms of working in the employee well-being field because yeah there's a lot of stuff that says, you know, particularly active breaks. So some kind of guided rest practice for 10 minutes to 20 minutes in a day radically enhances performance, reduces um, sickness and absenteeism, if we're talking about it from employment, but just from a personal perspective, you, you know, your, your parasympathetic nervous system comes online, you heal, you, you get creative, you have insight to problems. There's a whole load of stuff that's really great for us that isn't hasn't been recognised very much. I think Gabs is right. I think it's emerging mm -hmm. that we need to stop pedalling so fast, yeah, and take some time out. And there has to be some people that lead the way. And and I feel like that in some ways is what we've got going on at Restful Being is kind of really trying to pull back the curtain and say, hey, look, it's all right to stop. And here's what happens when you do stop. And and it's not just um, pleasant it's tremendous and life-changing to recognize that there's something 
deep down that's very still and very present that's available to anybody if you're prepared to just go on this journey of of doing a little bit less and taking some time mm. yeah. we also we yeah. all sort of know this to an extent like we all know that that, that answers pop into our head when we're not thinking about something you know you're yeah. walking along yeah. saying like oh that's it and so there's definitely we we know that we don't have to be sitting down with our hands at our computer in order to have our best work or our best ideas it can come to yeah. us at any time and this this preoccupation with being seen to be busy uh, and, and it's so deeply ingrained in our society and in our psychologies and it's you know it's, it's mm. makes Awful. us ill <laughs> 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 we, we <fucked> ourselves over <laughs> massive yeah uh, well, um yeah so i think yeah helping people to remove the guilt from stopping and just seeing how vital and vitalizing it is yeah it would definitely be helpful that side of things because like I, and for people working at home is it a case of like rest when you feel like it or maybe like don't schedule it in strictly but on your lunch break just sit for 10 minutes then you can return to work and feel like refreshed and vitalized haven't had to have a full nap yeah um, where like when in the day would you recommend it or is it just to sort of as it calls you answer it i, I think we all depends have on who you are. yeah it depends yeah. on who you are and that's I mean, a big part this... of it to see to be to be aware of yourself and your needs there's all sorts of factors at play. There's the, the whole thing of what's called circadian rhythms. So we all, you know, Gabs is a night owl. I'm an early bird. So we clash in that way. But there are certain times in the day that I will, my energy will crash. And I know it's a really good moment to rest. And um, that really works for me. But it doesn't, you know, you're not a napper in the day. That I know, I, I don't nap in the day. It doesn't, I'm actually, but I'm generally, I have quite high energy levels generally speaking I don't feel the need to nap very often mm. not unless I'm hungover or something and I've mm. you know I've properly what's it, it's been happening more never recently. happens <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah so it, and I know that that's not I'm not in denial about that I there's but I but I am the kind of person like I know that I do need to do yoga that's my that's what I need to do to remain sane and that's how I recharge and reset myself, my being. So it is, you'll find that you have to learn, we have to learn to listen to ourselves and who we are and accept that, you know, I am very different to James in terms of my energy levels and my needs. But if we, if we kind of flip it around and think about your listeners for a few moments and what they might like to get out of this and what might be some helpful reflections, I think what, what Gabs is saying, you have to work out what works for you and doing nothing can be quite confronting so start small you know just give yourself a couple of minutes when the kettle's boiling or when you've finished an activity to just stop and get used to that because when we talk about rest just because you've stopped doesn't mean everything stops your mind is going to still generate thoughts you still experience sensations there'll be you know all sorts of distractions and preoccupations that come up so I think learning to build your tolerance towards just stopping and doing nothing is really helpful. And then to know for yourself, I mean, some people are, are stuck in the hell of the eight hour day, right? So if you're at work 
and you're honest with yourself. Do you really work eight hours? No, you know, everyone's taking, taking time out. Right. So what are you doing with that time out? Are you doing what I was talking about earlier? Are you doing your equivalent of shopping for wild camping stuff on Amazon or are you, is it possible that you could sit at your desk and it looks like you're very intently engaged in an email, but actually what you're doing is you're staring above your screen and looking out the window or, you know, that there are, there are plenty of ways that we can stop even amidst our day. You know, you don't need a special environment or special circumstances to stop. Um, and then if we're working for ourselves, yeah, I really like the idea of, you know, maybe once an hour or once every couple of hours, just go and sit in the garden or lie down on the floor or sit in a comfy chair and very purposefully just put your phone in the other side of the room or, you know, just put it away because that's addictive, that stuff. And just start to condition yourself into a new way of being, which is about doing nothing. Yeah. You can be playful with it and see what, what works yeah no need. you have to be rigid rigid scale like and it can just be experiments now my, th- my well, next thing i'm rest. doing is i'm being yeah it's yeah. <laughs> not really to do. 10 o'clock yeah. being yeah. <laughs> i'm going to rest <laughs> yeah. and that's that's the thing is it it's it's the paradox of when you try you kind of yeah. you've lost a little bit yeah you um, can't try that's a that might be some reason why people don't really buy into sort of the Eastern philosophies and stuff so much over in the West is because it's just full of paradoxes. And mm. I don't think our brains are just like, obviously paradoxes are fucking confusing. Yes. So like trying yeah. to rest is yeah. a bit of an oxymoron, is it? Yeah, I think that's a great it way is. of saying it. I think we use that yeah. exact sentence in our book. You know? yeah. and, and there is that thing like, yeah, pushing at any of these kind of things is is really tricky because, yeah, you can't force it. And having expectations on rest as well, I think that's the biggest enemy. You know, we've covered permission. That's the first thing, like recognising, do you feel guilty or ashamed or like, you've, you know, you've done something wrong by stopping. Meeting all of that and kind of surmounting that one, then coming into the recognition that restlessness is going to happen and that you can't get out of it or you can't get rid of it. What happens as we get more and more familiar with the noise of our minds and all of the, let's just keep it really simple, all of the changing phenomena. Mm. And we start to recognize that there's an unchangingness. That is the, the absolute kingpin of all of the teachings of traditions is that there's something still and undisturbed behind your experience. And that's really all it is. It's simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple to begin to catch glimpses of that stillness. And all we're really doing is kind of fostering that, nourishing that, giving enough time and space for that stillness to start to reveal itself more and more in your life. It's always there, but it gets covered up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or it's a question of identification. Like we, we, our mind loves the stuff. And it loves to get engaged. So over time, and this is why I'm saying kind of be really slow and patient with yourself, build up your capacity for this willingness to sit and do nothing. And you'll begin to recognize that there's something beyond all of the stuff that's kind of still and present and unchanging. And when you get to know that, that's the real magic. 
that's a kind of yeah. turning point. That, that's kind of it would, would you say that's kind of like your observing self is that that unchanging yeah sort of side of things i i to begin with yeah i think that's a, a really great observation and it's this you know you making that comment means that you've done enough of this to sort of know right but then and you can do this live with me for a moment if there's an observing self that's aware of your thoughts and your feelings and sensations what would it be like if you were aware of that awareness or if you were to observe that observer and then if you were to observe that observing observer and if you were to step back and step back and step back there's a kind of sense if you feel into it or come into the experience of it of getting into a deeper and deeper stillness so the observing self that you're talking about Ed is is exactly the beginnings of it and then as we learn to rest there and explore so where are the boundaries of that? Like, if that, is that observing self me? Or, you know, is it something that's beyond that? What happens to time, space? What, what happens as I rest in that observer, you go deeper and deeper into something that's, I would say, kind of interconnected and totally impersonal. Yeah, it's mad. It almost gives me a bit of a tension headache thinking about <laughs> how many observing minds I might have. Like, then I was going like, right, layer one. Yeah, walking into a nightclub where there's two mirrors facing each other and it's called an infinite regression when you see that you know have you seen that reflective image of yourself yeah it's, yeah it's like that and then eventually the mind just goes i can't do this and collapses and then that's good <laughs> yeah okay All right so we need to get to the point where we're so confused that we collapse almost well i I, yeah i think there is a bit of that the mind can't understand the stuff really and that and that's another paradox i don't want to talk about it too much because it really i've seen a lot of people upset over the years like what do you mean my mind can't understand it don't be so foolish but um that's a journey humility that that people need to have is that we all know fuck all really even about ourselves yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah people are so this is the thing that we have in our society at the moment. People are so convinced that they are right uh, or, or that another person is wrong. Perhaps that's more accurate, that we're just constantly at the moment pointing fingers at one another going, you know, that is the wrong way to live or that's the wrong way to think. And like, we just know fuck all. And if we mm, all just yeah. accepted that. It's not, I, just, I, just, I don't mean that we shouldn't seek to adjust our behaviour and that we shouldn't seek to learn from other people's opinions of us but this kind of this place of absolutes that we have at the moment is just completely insane i think it's yeah. so, it's so dangerous well also there's a there's a, a real i'm going to talk about another paradox here so feel free to edit this moment, but <laughs> no, no, um, I'm, I'm excited for it prepare <laughs> yourself for that tension so exactly yeah 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 quite take a couple of paracetamol <laughs> take a break and then come back and join us um no there's something very powerful about not knowing and by that i mean when i show up with the people that i work with one-to-one i don't come into it with a with a kind of i know what you need and i actually i've learned to train myself out of that and to to when we can sit and not knowing it's another doorway into the presence that we've been talking about when we give up our assurity 
and and our position because the mind loves to divide and and take a position i'm right you're wrong i'm left wing you're right wing you know all that whole divisiveness that we see particularly through social media at the moment when we can let ourselves drop out of that and and return to innocence because you you were kind of saying that there's a humility in that but there can be an innocence there can be you know just sitting and being natural with another human being when we don't know then there's a deeper kind of knowing that comes to us and we can actually get into a kind of more of an insightful or more of a kind of immediate this is the right response in this moment that hasn't come out of my intellectual reasoning but has come out of a kind of just an instinctive like this is the, the next thing to do or the right thing to say and in the rare moments i've got to be honest with you in the rare moments when i can do that with my kids and really just be with them uh, it tends to go a lot better. It tends to be much more harmony. <laughs> that one time. Then the, you know, exactly. Then the, you know, then I'm the all-seeing daddy. You know, I'm the parent, you're the child. Let me let me learn you about all of this. I mean, if you're listening and you've got kids, you know that that's a shit fest, right? <laughs> but when we can drop out of being the one that knows, I mean, sometimes we have to know, and that's fine too. But there's a there's a real the real. Um, as a sense of kind of loving connection when we can stop thinking that we've got it all worked out or that we know what's right and what's wrong and all of that sort of stuff, mm. you know, righteousness is a- Yeah, it's such a simple mindset as well. Just, to, I don't know why it's so hard for people as a society, as in the world to just accept or admit that we don't know, we don't know, you know? Yeah. We don't know this, we don't, we don't know exactly about this or exactly, it's just- just to the conviction that people are right is just mind-blowing. We have a fairly uncomfortable policy between us as a couple, which can be really confronting that sometimes I, you know, I will be saying, speaking an assurity about something or other, and Gabs will, you know, rightfully say, mm, are you sure? Do you really know that? And we'll do it for each other. And sometimes it can be uncomfortable when mm. you sort of, when that's revealed to you, that you're back in your sort of, you know, certainty but it's very helpful yeah yeah definitely i love that i think that's good like you almost like holding each other accountable it's just like hey just remember i know you're really annoyed about this but you actually don't know yeah yes. like, obviously it's conflicting when you hear it but i i yeah you guys have been in this world for a long enough time to be like oh Not yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we need you know i think i'll need reminding of that for the rest of my life you know yeah. and, and it's good it's, in, it's interesting you said about um, your kids there, because that was a question I was going to ask, is how do you implement sort of rest and, and wrestle being? Is it something you've tried to get? How old are your kids? Three and seven. Oh, I was going to say, have you tried to get them to do rest? But I, I imagine that's yeah. a fucking struggle. <laughs> yeah, well, you can. We do. We are quite careful with their energy levels knowing that especially our son who's three you know if he's tired he's mad isn't he yeah. I mean everyone ha will have this experience but I think being able to read when things need to be calmed down and 
and more restful and then and then the opposite when they need <laughs> exercising yeah it's basically just like having dogs isn't it i mean he, i think <laughs> le- yes it is exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So you need walk, they're a bit less hairy but, but pretty much everything else is the same um <laughs> i've never wiped a dog's ass before either that's, you know, <laughs> i suppose that's a bonus of, of having dogs instead of children but with luca i mean it, the, our youngest is pretty good at he took himself to bed the other morning because yeah, he knew he was tired. Yeah. But what we've never done is imposed rest upon them because there's no. nothing. I, I want them to grow up being intrigued with this stuff. And when you force it, you know, any parent knows when you try and force something upon a child, it doesn't work. And I think we lead by example in the sense of if I'm tired, particularly through lockdown when we had them at home, some afternoons we go upstairs and I would just lie down because I was exhausted. And yeah. then, you know, inevitably, Luca would jump on my head for a little while and, you know, and, you know, generally hassle me and then kind of go, oh, daddy's lying down and, and he'd come in and snuggle up. Mm. And, you know, you can do that kind of stuff really easily with them. And, and I think children learn the most by leading by example. So rather yeah. than saying you need to rest, kind of going, well, let's all lay down and chill out. And, and slowly as your nervous system settles, there's an entrainment they actually get kind of drawn into that themselves so no I don't think we've actively imposed it on them I've tried once with Poppy to to you can't get Poppy to do bloody anything no it's true yeah she's stubborn but I've tried once with her to do yoga nidra at bedtime because she just couldn't get to sleep and it didn't work at all but when I led down in bed with her and gave myself an internal you know yoga nidra practice as I went into my own rest her nervous system picks up on that and lo and behold she's asleep in five minutes yeah and I, and I think also we have to constantly remind ourselves that we don't have to entertain our children all the time mm-hmm. and it is okay just to you know they'll always ask you know the children will always ask you to do things for them put something mm-hmm. on get them something to eat play with them la, la la and it's okay to say no and just flop on the floor and go yeah I'm just I'm lying down now and you can come mm-hmm. and join me and actually they do love it don't they they, they love it when they when you just go do that they, re- they really love it and like and you're down on their level I think yeah, like yeah. actually I just need to stop right now you're present with them when yes. I think of my parents yeah that's really you know, my dad particularly was always doing something yeah. and, you know, was fixing this up. And, I, you know, I can relate. I mean, we've all got stuff to do as, mm. as carers or just in life. But I think when we can be with our kids, they, they pick up on it and they really like it in that simple way. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I, I say about that by like by reading by example as well. Like, yeah. You always see like memes on Instagram of like, mums on their phones and the kids yeah. on their phones like someone's reading a book and then yeah reading a book and I think it goes beyond your kids like to people's partners if if someone's listening to this and they're heading more down like a spiritual sort of curiosity but their partner just likes football and the lads and beers <laughs> like leading by example and taking 10 minutes in the day and then coming back energized and refreshed if you do that for a long enough period of time they'll be like yeah I want me a slice of that pie like I, I want that energy yeah. Reinfection. How do I do it? Yeah. 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 Definitely. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And, and, and yeah, it's also quite hard not to be a hypocrite, isn't it? To not like. Well, it's easy to be a hypocrite. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really. <laughs> we were in there. Really, um, totally nailed that one. I was, I was going to say about the using the phone as you know, that's a constant thing for kids is that 
the kid wants to be on the phone or do a game on the phone and watch something on the phone and you're you know we're doing work stuff on the phone like checking an email or whatever yeah and like no you can't be on the phone phone's bad for you and there we are it's that's i i think that's one of the biggest parenting challenges actually that kind of um it's the new smoking in front of your kids isn't it yeah yeah i mean at least smoking it's easier to hide from them yeah. yeah, I just get, I just stay with the tradition. I don't use my phone much. I just smoke in front of my kids. It's, it's yeah, smoke <laughs> so with your kids. Be present with them. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that yeah, it's it it's it's a very interesting kind of phase. I think that we're in, like Gabs is saying, about not not getting too wrapped up in having to be the perfect parent and entertain and all of that sort of stuff and when we can be for ourselves the kids just naturally pick up on it yeah 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 oh amazing well hopefully everyone with kids will, will take that on and be like right sweet i just lie down <laughs> yeah <laughs> great um yeah how what's what's like next what's coming up next i'm just uh, aware of timings and stuff like that have you got we don't know where stuff yeah, coming we up don't know. We, we're we're uh, you. What are you doing? Well, I, so obviously the last year hasn't been very good for public events, and I really, yeah. you know, that was the heart of what we did before this: training people in in rest, training teachers and and people who are interested in the subject, and then running retreats for people to come and and be. And that's been harder to orchestrate. And I've been doing a lot of stuff on Zoom, but yeah, I'm I'm really interested in how do we get this message out to bigger and bigger groups and mm. you know maybe some employee well-being programs um i don't know i'm i'm totally curious i'm you know i'm just trusting a little bit that something will will come and plug the gap and then we're gonna have to see whether life opens up enough for there to be public events again because that's i love doing that more yeah than you can't else. be i mean i teach just a weekly yoga class and the difference between teaching that on zoom and then actually being with people which i am now because i'm teaching outside it's just immeasurably mm. more i don't know so it's just the connection and the atmosphere and the presence and people practicing together cannot be yeah. replicated i don't think the inconvenience zoom. about being willing to really rest and find that you know i talked about the perfection of being earlier is that it can make you much less anxious about cracking on with life, you know. So I don't, I don't have yeah. that stick up my ass anymore. That's going, come on, next thing. Oh, but yeah. you know, the reality of it is, is that we've got mails to feed, and you know, yeah, we play. are. We've we've got we've got a few little plans bubbling away. Oh we? yeah, I'm I'm going to because yeah. because but all both our children will be in school full time from September, so we're going to have more time to mm. do stuff. I do know when I when I sit with myself, despite all of the ups and downs, comings and goings, challenges, rewards, I know the message of the book is a really good one mm. for people. And I know a lot of people when you kind of read reviews or you hear people uh, or meet people and they say, you know, I read the book and it changed my whole relationship with rest. I think it's a message that needs to be more universally spread. And yeah, definitely. however that happens, I don't know, but um, I definitely feel a real heartfeltness towards the work and 
you know, I hope more and more of society and, and people can begin to embrace the, you know, that mindset that mm. it's not all about getting somewhere in this life. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It'd be amazing if you could go into every sales floor in the UK and tell them yeah. about this. Cause I think you'd save a lot of people mental breakdowns. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's our plan, isn't it, James? Yeah. Save the world. Yeah, to some degree, a sort of a little disenchanted is a strong word, but yoga land is very much preaching to the choir mm. and it's, you know, it's nice and it's interesting and there's lovely people in there. But I think this is a message that a lot of people need to hear. And, um, and it's such a simple message. And like you say, I think when people get it, it can save, uh, you know, um, total, I mean, mental health issues, breakdowns, in just simple ways, once people have embraced a little bit of rest, they're not so overwhelmed in their lives anymore. And that's a great thing to have going on. Yeah, mm. of course. Well, perfect. Thank, thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, the Book of Rest, the paperback edition is the one with the extra bit about yes. in times of chaos. Yeah. Hardback is without. Yeah, I don't even know if you can still get the hardback. But, and, but yeah, okay. get the paperback. And... Uh, <laughs> There's the audio book as well, and that has the new chapter, which we recorded here with a, like a blanket over our head because we couldn't get oh, to a recording studio because it was locked down, but it worked quite well, didn't it? Yeah, it's, so. it's amazing what you can do with a blanket and a microphone. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. Billie Eilish documentary the other day, and she recorded her whole album in her bedroom like that. Oh, so. really? Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you should they wish a corporation? Um, so... Well, we've got a few things. So there's our website, which is restfulbeing.com. But that's, <laughs> everything's being updated. So it might not be the prettiest looking website at the moment. And we're also on, events are on Eventbrite, search for Restful Being. Where else, James? Um, Eckhart Yoga. Yeah, Eckhart Yoga. You can find me. There's, an a, yoga. there's a training course that I've put together on rest and on yoga yeah. that's available on, on Eckhart Yoga. Check so that you out. can spend 20 hours with me uh, learning all about some of the things that are in the book and that I've talked about today. I've got a website know. that's not launched yet. I don't know when this podcast can go up. The. Well, it's the fifth now. I reckon in a couple of weeks this will be out. And oh, I'm it might be. losing it this time. But I have a website called gabsbrown.com, but it's not live yet, but that might be up. Yeah. The writing and stuff like that, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do copywriting and help organizations with their branding, but with a focus on clarity and um, insight and all that good stuff. And there's a bit about my yoga teaching on there too. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I need to, I need to make it. <laughs> That's good because I've given myself a deadline now. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Well, amazing. Thank you so much once again for bringing this message out and then coming and having a chat with me for the second time and, and, and being so patient. Absolutely. You know, also, just to say, because I doubt you get this reflected back to you very much. Thank you for your work, because, you know, what you're doing, sharing all of this with your community and the people who are plugged into your podcast. And, you yeah, know, it's amazing. And share via social media. It's a real gift to the world. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I hope you can see that in yourself. I really appreciate yeah. that in you. Thank you. Oh, guys. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening in. Like I said, if you are new here um, at the start, welcome. Please feel free to go back. There is plenty of episodes for you to sink your teeth into, each one giving you a new perspective on things, hopefully. 
I don't think they're all shit, but you might think they are. Who knows? The only way you're ever going to find out is by listening to them. Thank you once again for listening in. I know I've said that a few times, but absolute legends. If anyone wants to do something really nice for me, then leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Be much appreciated. You're all absolute legends. Love you. Bye.